This is the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of September 13th. I'm your host, D-Swab Derek Kessinger, joined by the beautiful and good-looking editorial staff of Robert Holman, Kevin Kovac, and Kyle McFadden back as Jack Sparrow this week, back in his boat room. I love it so much. And Kovac... What a memorable night at the Big E. Kovac, we kind of talked about this in the post-race uh, show. I think Eldora was ready for a new winner. I know that uh, it comes under the demise of Jonathan Davenport. Uh, Hudson O'Neill passes him with about nine laps to go to get his first ever World 100 win, and that place was uh, pretty pretty rambunctious during that night. It was, a, it was a pretty special night there at the Big E. And also, I think Eldora kind of needed it. Uh, headed to the dirt track next month because there's a lot of people the week up saying that how it's kind of lost its luster a little bit. Yeah, it was a it was kind of a feel good moment, I I, I guess you could say, uh, because of the Hudson O'Neill, you know, the Indiana boy, his father never, Don never won the World 100, won the Dream, but never won the World 100. In his uh, you know, in his really good career, and <clears throat> of course, Mark Richards in the in a rocket chassis house car winning the uh, World 100 for the first time. He's had a car for almost, you know, 25, 30 years. He's had a house car and been coming there for, uh, you know, like since almost 50 years, really, like when he was a little kid and just starting out as a crew member on his brother's car. Uh, but that really, that combined to just make it really special. And then on top of that, you had Hudson just like, you know, running his ass off over the last, you know, what, 25 laps, 24 laps, I think, after that last caution came out. Um, you know, one the the second to last caution came out, and he just got up on the wheel and had to beat the man, Eldora Master Jonathan Davenport was able to get by him. I mean, I made it, that made it even sweeter, I'm sure, for uh, Hudson and Mark Richards uh, to have to you know go past Jonathan Davenport, who was going for a record tying six World 100. And you know, once he took the lead from Hudson, you'd thought it might have been over. Uh, no way is is uh, is Jonathan going to get past before this race ends, but you know, Hudson pulled it off and man, that place did. I wish I, I, I told Derek after when we talked after race, I wish I was standing on the front stretch there for a little bit. I, the, for the second half of the race, you know, they weren't on the video board. They didn't have the video going in, uh, in turn two during the race, you know, so the drivers couldn't like, you know, use that this time to kind of see what was going on behind them. And, uh, and that's really usually where I watch from the infield. So I moved to the infield, to the middle and I was watching. I wanted to see actually Mark Richards reactions from the top when I was standing on the trailer for the last, what, 20 laps or 30 laps. And uh, should have moved up to the front to just I could couldn't hear the crowd quite as much from where I was. But man, it must uh, yeah, I, I, it, I even had earplugs in, but I, I could hear it a little bit. But I'm, you know, I'm sure it was pretty crazy up there. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Kyle McFadden, you were on the grounds as well. Just talk about that move with Hudson O'Neill passing Jonathan Davenport because we're not used to seeing J.D. Uh, get passed in the closing laps at Eldora. Usually he's kind of checked out by then. It was it was pretty wild and magical, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. I was going back and doing the numbers, and I think you know J.D. was at an 8-0 and record when leading past halfway at, at Eldora. So it's like, you know, once – once that happens, it's just like it's a foregone conclusion at that point. But then, like, with, like, less than 20 to go, you know, J.D. was running about maybe a groove and a half, two grooves off of um, off of the very, very top, which is where Hudson found it there 
right at the end and um you could see um what was building behind him in in terms of Hudson getting up on the cushion and just letting it rip um and those sliders that slider fest there for a few laps from like laps like 11 through 14 or 15 there at the end um you know that was as thrilling as it gets for a world 100 finish and i could tell probably with like 15 to go once like hudson was railing the top um it was it it was game on at that point because really really since that like lap 49 or 50 restart when jd flipped the switch from you know biden biden his time to to now being uh on the hunt and basically saying it's go time for me to, to, to take over this race. Um, I was thinking at that point, well, you know, here, here, here we are with JD going for his globe or his, his uh, record tying six globe. And so, but that wasn't the case. And, um, you know, that rocket one team, I mean, you know, Kevin and I were both at Port Royal and I was just like remembering that night where, I mean, like, that was also, like, a very similar race, too, with just how the Rocket One car really just just found another level in the closing laps up on the cushion and uh, at Port Royal. And I just, like, remember, recall that night being, uh, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is exactly what the Rocket One team needs going into Eldora if it, if it would race, you know, very similarly up on the cushion. And it certainly was. And uh, so, yeah, things have things have aligned at the right time there for the Rocket One team. And it was I think it was this week, one year ago, right, that Hudson uh, turned his first laps in the Rocket One car in a test session. Um, And so now things have a full year later, you know, now they're on top of the world, literally. So. um, So, yeah, I mean, just just what a year it's been that rocket one team and uh they aren't slowing down it seems like anytime soon yeah and robert holman he had a great blog leading up to the to the world 100 to safe to say it wasn't overhyped this season at all uh we had you know brian shirley photo finish on friday you had dramatics galore on saturday during that feature with like pierce blown a tire you know devin moran heartbreak hotel and obviously the you know the finish we had there, and then you know you know you have added Mark Richards that storyline as well. It, it, it had plenty of circumstances. All eyes are on the biggie, and that's what we expect when we go to Rossburg, Ohio, every year. Yeah, I mean it's you know like we kind of talked about last week. It's it's the Super Bowl of our sport. So to think that it could be overhyped, uh, even going in to think that it could be overhyped is foolish. And then it delivered, uh, it delivered this past weekend in all three nights. I've, I've never been a fan uh, of the three nights total. I like a, a prelim night and, uh, you know, and a finale, but, uh, but regardless of what I think or what I prefer, all three nights delivered, you know, pretty good racing, you know, the, the heats, I, I was really afraid that after the heat races on Saturday, that we would see a, a ho-hum feature. And that just wasn't the case. You know, a lot of times, and I, I even thought about it while I was doing the the live updates there. I thought, you know, a, a lot of times 
when I was going back in the nineties, I always would say you could leave after the heat races. I, I said that a lot because I saw Donnie Moran win a lot and Billy Moyer win a lot and Scott Bloomquist win a lot, you know? And so I, I used to go home and like, Hey, if you go to Eldora, just, you know, make sure you're there for the heat races. Cause that's the best part of the show. But, uh, but man, it thought from the first green flag to the very last checkered flag, you know, uh, this past weekend, it was all intriguing whether or not, you know, you you're watching the tire situation, whether or not you're watching, you know, like you said, a Brian Shirley gets so emotional in victory lane, which is, uh, which was, uh, welcoming to see a person, you know, uh, get that emotional in victory if, just for a prelim win. Just think about it. You know, this was a preliminary victory. It's like a, a glorified heat race. And Brian Shirley was, was that emotional, you know, granted it paid $12,000 and it was a, a feature, but still he got so emotional, you know, that was, that was welcome to see as well. And so from, yeah, from the start to the end, it was a, a really good weekend at Eldora. You see some of those, those, uh, shots of the crowd and you see some of the shots of the parking. Yeah. To think that, that our Super Bowl is overhyped this year, at least it wasn't the case. Yeah, it was badass. Uh, it was memorable. I would say from that night perspective, just memories, I would say to be up there since 99, you know, top three or four uh, finales that we had on Saturday, they definitely delivered uh, Hudson O'Neill gets the victory uh yeah it was just a very emotional night too afterwards and speaking of emotional Kovac uh you know before we get to our topic Hudson O'Neill he was very very emotional in victory lane you don't see too many you know 22 year old young 20 year olds crying like that it just shows how much the sport means to him and uh we've talked to him a few times previous you know when he messes up you can kind of tell maybe like he's so upset that you might break down in tears but this was all full of just great happy tears it was it was pretty awesome victory lane you're muted i wanted to do oh my, my god way to go you know, i wanted to, i wanted to pull my derek this week uh, uh rookie, as i was rookie saying, move uh, that's right that's right as i was saying uh it was cool to see Hudson, uh, you know, have that kind of emotion. He's and he's 23 years old now. He's a big old 23 years old. Just turned his had his birthday yeah, right before the beginning of the World 100 weekend. Uh, so uh, yeah, he's really getting up there now, right? So, uh, but uh, that that kid, you you love to see a guy win a race and and really. Another thing I I mentioned to Derek before uh, after the race is there's some guys that get up on the roof of the car for, in victory lane, which is like. It's almost like a, you know, a, it, it's it's humdrum. They they really you don't even they get up there because they think they're supposed to get up there. You know what I mean? Like it's just you don't have to get up there. Yeah, that's not a, a requirement to um to get up on the roof of your car. And if you get up on the roof of the car, you better show some emotion. Not I don't want to just see a wave or anything like that. Let let's get up there. That that should be a special thing to get up there. And and Hudson, man, I'll tell you what, he got up there. He was after he pounded, he did a Tim McCready pound the roof of the car, and then he got up on the roof and was kind of pumping his fist to the car. You, you could that was true emotion. That wasn't just like going through the motions uh, of being on the roof. And uh, and for a kid that's grew up at Eldora, really, I mean, he's 23 years old, and he's his 
since he was a little kid, he was going there to, to watch his father race, uh, sitting up in those stands before he could even get in the pits. I, I, you know, Don was talking to me after the race about uh, how before uh, uh, Hudson was old enough really to get in the pits, he would just gather up money from as many people as he could. And he would spend the entire day, it seemed like, up there in the, you know, in the, in the fan area at Eldora, uh, running on the, on the simulator cars, you know, he would just that simulator up there and just keep racing and racing it. And he'd win all these trophies. And Todd said, he'd come to the, come back to the pits after the race was over and he'd have all the, he'd always have the trophies. I think he won more trophies there than Don ever did, uh, you know, with this, with this simulation, uh, simulator, uh, win. So, uh, a lot of history there for, uh, for, um, for Hudson at Eldora. He'd been on the stage before with his father when his father won what 2011 dream Hudson remembers running with his brother all the way through the grass from, you know, out there in the, you know, think turn one and getting over to the crossover gate to get into the pits. And, and now he was up there after winning his own race. So man, it's a, that's a, that's, that's part of the, this, our sport really, you know, like how long everyone's in it and uh, you know, the history and uh, to see these, the, the sons of former winners uh, winning is, is, is really neat. Speaking of being in the sport for a long time, you touched on it a little bit. Mark Richards been going to that place, trying to win that race for 50 years. Uh, he's had some close calls at the world 100. Obviously the one that comes to mind is the 2006 world where Josh came. Oh, so close. I think if he was a little bit older and more seasoned, he might've got the win there, but he didn't. Uh, Josh Richards has flipped on fr- uh, Saturday afternoon going into turn one. He's had some crazy, crazy bad luck. And just Shepard and Rick Eckert, those guys just couldn't get it done. But here comes his first time uh, at the World 100. Hudson O'Neill gets the win for Mark Richards. Uh, safe to say, streaks do come to an end, but it was a very long one, Kovac. And uh, I know they even switched parking spots to try to switch up the mojo there, and it actually worked out for him. Yeah, I, I don't think that was on purpose, really. I, th- I'm sh- I think they wanted to be up to the front, the front uh, spot, uh, front row, that first spot near the media center, which uh, the blue trailer has been for. I mean, it's been a while. I mean, they've been parking there pretty quite a few, uh, quite a few of the big races. Uh, they ended up parking on the opposite side, you know, facing the other direction on the middle row, right next to the concession stand. There, I mean, I walked in, uh, you know, the first day, and I'm like, whoa what the, I didn't expect to see the number one in that middle row. And, um, and I think I even said to some of the, you know, maybe Joel, a couple other crew guys, um, man, you know, I, I bet you keep this spot. If you win this race, it's like, a, you'll, you'll think this was the change in luck. And of course it happened. And, uh, I don't know, maybe that, changing things up a little bit, maybe it helped, I guess. And, um, and I would, like I said before, I've watched Mark Richards, uh, you know, stood up below the trailer uh, for like the second half of that race, kind of just watching into me. Like at one of the cautions, I kind of you know threw up. Mark looked down. I threw up my hands. I said, "What do you you know?" And he's like, "You know." I, I, at that point, he thought it was going to be really, really tough to get Jonathan Davenport. Uh, he knew Hudson would get up on the wheel. He he told you know he relayed the message to uh, crew chief Jan- Danny White. Tell him get up on the wheel, get the elbows up, uh, and he did. And I mean, I, and I think that really. You know, Mark Richards loves to see his race, his his driver, his house car driver, run as hard as he can. I mean, he wants him. That's what Hudson had to learn. That Mark Richards wants his driver to just man, don't hold back anything. Do not let 
uh, you know, do, do not like in that race act, you know, thinking you could have given a little bit more. He wants you to give it all. And um, Hudson realized that, you know, a few weeks in the speed weeks, I think uh, he's kind of carried that over during the season. He showed it in the world 100 to beat uh, Jonathan Davenport. And I think that was a real satisfying thing for Mark Richards to see him win like that. It wasn't like he, you know, he held on, you know, with the track, uh, you know, rubbered or, or, or no call. He loves to see those cushion tracks, which was, there was a cushion and that made it more exciting this year uh, for the world. And, um, and, and, I, and, and that gave, I, I mean, that put a little extra meaning, I think, into finally winning it for Mark. And Robert, that might have been a big storyline. It took him nearly 50 years to win it. But I think another one is just in the last week or two, you had some guys switching from Rocket to Longhorn. You've had this whole thing that, you know, Longhorn has won five in a row at Eldora. Uh, you know, kind of a, think it's a bad thing. I mentioned to Kobach in our post-race, a wounded or back against the wall Mark Richards might be bad for the competition because this guy's not going to give up. They're going to work their ass off. Uh, we saw with the XR1 there in the 2015-16 season. Like, it, I think that was even more important than him winning for the first time in 50 years just because the state of racing is and people jumping ship and leaving Rocky. You saw Kyle Bronson debut a Longhorn there. Like, a lot of things were going against Mark Richards and Rocket uh, and Steve Baker as well. You know, I think that uh, when Bobby Pierce and uh, Brandon Shepard both decided to go to um, – you know, Longhorn in the off season. And then even just more recently, when you have, um, you know, Sheppy being named a house car driver at, at Longhorn, I think that I'm sure lit a Good fire, point. you know, I'm sure that lit a fire under, under Mark Richards, for sure. Anytime that, that anytime someone is as competitive as Mark Richards is, and, you know, if you're not competitive, or have a very competitive nature in this sport, you can compete, but you're not going to do it as long as he has. Okay. That's a, that's a competitiveness. It's not just, I, I don't know what else I could do for a living. There's not, it's not like that. You know, for me, I'm, I'm very competitive. And this is one of the few things I've thought about that, you know, like, well, it doesn't matter if I'm playing ping pong or if I'm playing pool or if I'm throwing darts, I want to win. And there's a lot of times, honestly, I don't compete very well against my family members because they don't take it serious and they don't really care if they win or lose. And I'm out here, whether it's a game of horse, it doesn't matter. I'm trying to win. So a lot of times I don't even play anymore because it's just not competitive. So anytime you're, you have that competitive spirit, you have that fire, you're going to be able to have longevity because that's what keeps you going. So when, so when your back is against the wall, when people do say, oh, look at these, look at Longhorn, look at Longhorn, look at this, look at that, you know, oh, speed weeks, they write, they write rocket off already, you know, rocket's done. You know, when, anytime you have a situation like that and you have a guy like a Mark Richards who has that competitiveness in his, in his just DNA, you're gonna see results eventually there. Is, and, and, and if you talk to anyone in the sport, our sport is very, uh, it's, it goes in circles, you know, I mean, it, it, what comes around goes around literally, uh, in our sport, um, both figuratively and literally, because you can be on top one day and then the next brand gets, gets on top and, and has a run of two or three weeks. And I don't think, I think anyone who wrote 
rocket chassis off the what has arguably been the top brand for a decade i think anyone who wrote rocket chassis off was just as just wishful thinking for them i think that in the back of their minds they're probably thinking ah, no they'll be back but they were probably hoping outwardly that that you know maybe they won't but no it's it's definitely the longhorn it's a great competition right now from longhorn and rocket Personally, I'd like to see, you know, another brand jump in there uh, and make it a three or four horse race. I think that's always more exciting. And I think that other people, when another brand does win, you know, I think whether it be a MB Customs or, or a, you know, I, I'm at a loss or I'm wearing a warrior hat. Uh, you know, when, when another brand does win, I think people get excited about that. But unfortunately in our sport right now that is not a trend that's an anomaly because you have rocket and and longhorn that are just dominating the sport so for anyone who thought that rocket chassis was dead after speed weeks big mistake could be a big mistake i know that uh you know steve arpin at longhorn gave good praise to mark richards how he like wants to keep us on our edge of our seats we got to keep working harder and harder just to you know keep up with uh, the Hall of Famer Mark Richards and Steve Baker as well. Uh, Darren, Kyle, whatever you want to be called this way. I know it's football season, so I just saw, called you Darren. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway to see Mark Richards that happy? Obviously, he's kind of like Bill Belichick. He's always like monotone, straight face, working hard, always trying to make sure the stuff is explained to him when he's going up to officials. He's very well thought off in the industry. Uh, what was just your biggest takeaway uh, on Saturday night, just seeing him smiling ear to ear? And also, I got to say, that picture of him and Victor Lane with that hat, I don't know if Mark Richards is a hat guy, guys. I don't I know, you know, I don't know. I don't think he can really wear a hat. I think he's just a straight no hat guy. But uh, he was very happy smiling ear to ear. I was, um, as soon as the checkers fell, you know, I had to, to go join the front stretch with the photographers and every everyone else who wanted to just kind of take in the moment of the rocket one team, you know, finally pulling it onto the victory lane stage at Eldora. And um, just to like, see all the gosh, drivers, competitors, fans, probably more so fans line in the edge of like the fence line that blocked off uh, the runway on pit road and the ramp that leads on to the victory lane stage um, just to like see every space occupied along the fence and the emotion from all his fans. Right. Like that's what it seemed like all his fans. Um, like that was, that was really cool to take in that. I don't think really cameras or anybody else could really see like from that angle, maybe there's a, drone shot that caught it but um you know that me just like sitting there and just kind of like taking in that all in and mark just like hugging everyone like in sight you know and, and it's just like you could obviously see just just what that moment meant to him and it's like you you work like i would imagine obviously like you 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 don't necessarily work all your life like like for that moment I was reading Kevin's story on Mark and it's just like, he could have probably lived, lived on 
Like if he never won a world 100, like I feel like he's gotten, he had gotten to the place where he was accepting of that, but like, come on, like, let's be real. Like, you know, Mark Richards not winning the world 100 ever, you know, like for the rest of time, like, you know, that's pretty inconceivable. And, you know, he, he finally got it done. And with Hudson O'Neill, right. Of, of, all the drivers that he could have ever won it with, you know, that's not a knock on Hudson. He's just so young and he has so much more room to grow, which is pretty scary, you know, like for the competition, which leads you to think of, of just, you know, how much, how, how much more is on the table, you know, for that rocket one team and really just for like rocket chassis, like in general, like, like that win sets them, sets them up for um, going into the winter months. And it, it, it gives not only the team momentum, obviously, but the whole rocket chassis brand. And so um, there was just like, after, after Brian Shirley won his prelim night on Friday, I was following him back to his trailer. And obviously like Brian Shirley, like longtime rocket chassis user, right? wins that race at Eldora on Friday in a team zero race car. And uh, he walks by Mark Richards's trailer and, you know, Mark's just, I feel like Mark was kind of there just like waiting for him. And, um, you know, those two talked for a solid two to three minutes and for sure a Brian Shirley's longest conversation going back to his trailer that night. And then they, and at the conversation there, like with a hug and, 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 um, you know, just like Mark just wants to see like all of his drivers have ever supported him succeed. Right. And so like, there was no bitterness there that Brian Shirley had won an Eldora prelim and a team zero car after pretty much failing every other time that he had made a, a trip to Eldora in a rocket chassis car right so um i think that was really telling to to see just you know where mark richards's heart is in this sport and so um he's not done yet he's far from done and so people that have ever ever wrote him off i mean it's like you know you don't write off the greatest minds in sporting history and so uh he's not done um and so it's just it was I, I I really feel like the sport needed that on the as a whole, you know, this past weekend. And so, um, yeah, it's just a feel good story for Mark, and uh, you know, very akin to when Dale Senior won the Daytona 500 there in you know 1998. So, yeah, big time win. Uh, Kovac, you, I'm sure chatted with Mark Richards after the race. How was his mindset? Or was he, like, worried about February on Tuesday night? Because I feel like I know how his, bra- his brain and mind works. Well, he was probably – he was a, a bit probably, you know, I know anxious because uh, he couldn't put the car away. There were so many people around. There was people just waiting at the trailer for Hudson to get back there with the car and, and for Hudson to finish – fine. well, the car beat him there, and then he had to – because he went in the media center to do fr- some interviews – and then finally, when Hudson finally got back to the trailer, which took a few minutes after he got out of the media center, because there were people waiting right outside the media center when he walked out, who kind of enveloped him and had him taking pictures and and um, 
and signing autographs. And finally, he gets back there to, to meet the people that were waiting for him. You know, like Mark Richards was kind of on the periphery a little bit. He doesn't, he doesn't jump into this crowd. He's not celebrating, going crazy or anything like that. Just talking with a lot of people that were coming up and congratulating him. Uh, but I'm sure that in his mind, he's like, man, we got to get out on the road here. You know, like, I mean, he, he likes to be one of the first guys out of there because he wants to be one of the first guys at the next track. As soon as the race is over, he's got, he's in that, he's packing up and, and, and ready to go. He doesn't usually stay too long after races. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe like Fairbury when he went with Brandon. DDC, I, I can confirm. I can confirm just, he stays yes. late after that. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a race to go to immediately afterwards. He got a few days, so I mean, that's one that he usually. I mean, and I don't think he can get that hauler out of there very quickly when you when you win that. You're you know too many people around. That was the case at Eldora. There was you couldn't get that car loaded up. You couldn't leave, and um, it was probably two. I think the race ended at twelve fifteen, which by the way is is too late for the World One Hundred to be ending. I think you know. I think it would even be a better scene in the pits if it would end a little bit earlier, but that's another topic to discuss. But, uh, but anyway, it was like after two in the morning, cause I kind of waited around. I wanted, I mean, there were so many people talking to Hudson and stuff. I kind of wanted to wait for the crowd to go down. He soaked up the scene and then talked to him and, you know, and talked to the crew guys and stuff. And, uh, it was well after it was after two in the morning when, uh, finally they started loading that thing up and, uh, and I know that they pulled it up. They did pull. They did pull it up uh, to the top of the pits. They pulled out of the infield. And I, I think that's where they stayed because they were looking for a spot. But I was up there talking to Jonathan Davenport and, and Jason Fegger on my way out to the parking lot. And I don't know. This was like two fifteen, two thirty in the morning, whatever it was. <clears throat> and then the big blue trailer comes up into the upper pit area and kind of did like two circles, you know, right up in the main part there. Kind of, I guess they were, you know, Mark was looking for where he could park it to, to spend the night. And then I'm Jonathan Davenport is, uh, he stops talking and then he looked, he yells over when somebody gets out. He goes, What the hell? You like, you like rubbing it in now, doing donuts in front of us, you know, just because you won. You know, he was like joking around with the, with the, uh, rocket guys. Like, man, what do you, what do you do? You're doing, you're like right in front of us. You got to come up here and rub it in. So I thought that was a funny little moment that I saw with, uh, with Jonathan, but. You know, he was, you know, of course, disappointed to lose. But, you know, I, I think that he he respects Mark Richards for all his years in the sport. And and he understands how much it would mean to he understands how much a World 100 win means. And I think he like was probably like happy to see uh, Mark win it also. It's like, I mean, he's got lovers, he's got haters. When you're in a sport that long, you're going to have both of them. You know, I mean, everybody's not going to like you. You're going to have detractors and critics. But um like I say, you know, one, you got to realize he's been in that sport that long. He's dedicated his life to late model racing. Um, and, and to, and, and, and you kind of deserve a little bit, you're deserving of some, uh, uh, of, of a big win like that when you put so much into this sport and, and still going strong. I mean, at Port Royal a few weeks ago, Mark Richards said, he, I, I 62 years old, I could be sitting at home, you know, on a, on a rocking chair or something. And, and I'm still going all these races, uh, you know, and, and and in the week also, one other note I'll just make uh, here. I, I, it definitely had to have heard a little bit like, you know, seeing Brandon Shepard, he went to the Longhorn house car. And I, I think a lot of people saw on social media, uh, Brandon's father, Stevie Shepard, had a little you know, rough comment towards, uh, uh, you know, public comment that said like making it feel like Brandon wasn't appreciated by the Rocket Chassis house car team. And and I think that kind of probably had a, that was, that was in 
Mark's mind during the weekend too. He wasn't, you know, he, he's figuring, Hey, I, I was on the right, gave up 200 nights a year and, and being home and, and putting, you know, lots and lots of money into Brandon Shepard. And, and, and his father made a comment that he didn't, uh, you know, uh, get the respect that he deserved. I think that that would, I think that probably got a little bit on Mark too. And then that made it a little bit more, that made it a satisfying win too, that he was able to do it after, you know, that, that kind of thing came out publicly like that. So, uh, you know, that uh, definitely Mark Richards was a, was a happy camper on Sunday, on Saturday, probably still now. <laughs> great, great stuff there, Kovac. We might need a shot clock for you next week. Just saying, if you're going to, I know well, I just, just popped into my mind there and I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm going, I'm going with it. What the heck? <laughs> no, I don't get mad when you guys do the shot. I just like giving you shit. You guys have good stuff to say all the time. Hey, uh, hey, hey and, and Derek, and Derek, we're, we're talking about Mark Richards here. I mean, every time I think I've talked to Mark Richards on the phone, even if it's going to be like a little, you know, it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a five minute conversation. It usually becomes 45 to a minute to an hour. He does talk a lot when you get him on the phone. So, and that's been like forever. And uh, so I figured, yeah, I'll just, I'll just expand, go on a little bit more of a tangent there. True that. Robert Holman, when we, or if somebody ever wrote the history of dirt late model racing, I'm sure there'll be a chapter on you know, Mark Richards and Steve Baker just with rocket chassis. He's put his life and soul into the sport, as we mentioned, nearly 50 years. Uh, when you know they do write that book, or and they ask Robert Holman to say some quotes, say some things, what he's meant to the sport. What do you think? What would you say if somebody asked you that about Mark Richards? Well, I think he's definitely, you know, when you look at the people who who have come along, and first of all, it all started with with C.J. Rayburn. Uh, but if you don't know, you know, Mark. Richards and a lot of people know like CJ Rayburn's story, how, you know, he, he really was kind of into drag racing and stuff first and kind of, uh, was doing some, some engine building stuff and then decided, Hey, if these guys are going to keep bringing me stuff to repair and stuff, I'm just going to start building some cars and then how he innovated stuff. And, 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 you know, CJ was, uh, obviously, uh, uh, one of the sports, you know, greatest innovators and greatest characters uh you know he he had more sayings than you could fit on the back of a t-shirt uh and then you switch gears to a guy like mark richards who has meant just as much to the sport in terms of his longevity and what he's brought to the sport and what he's he's done in terms of if you look at his house car program it's one of the few true in my opinion it's one of the few true house car programs that we have you know we used to have these house car programs um you know whether it be at the grt stuff or the larry shaw stuff or barry wright stuff we used to have these house car programs that that um that that were real house car programs and we've kind of gotten away from that now a house car program is pretty much what can you it's almost like nascar in terms of what can you bring to the table to this house car program, whether it be engines, whether it be hired help, whatever it is, so we can form a team. But but Mark Richards has never really, at least in the last 10, 15 years, he's not been like that, if ever. You know, it's what it's a true house car program who has really set the standard for what that's kind of, I guess, what I think about the Rocket team and Mark Richards and what they've done. They've set the standard for what others want to be. They've they've kind of 
put a blueprint out there and it's like, this is how you have to do it. Now, if you think about Mark Richards specifically, a lot of people know Mark Richards from Rocket Chassis, but they don't really know Mark Richards, how he, if you talk to him, how he will talk about going to Eldora as a young kid, as a crew member, as a, you know, whether it be at, at somewhere else he worked, you know, and, and he takes those losses, he adds those losses at Eldora to whatever he's lost with the Rocket Chassis House Car program. He doesn't, he doesn't separate them and say, well, you know, I've only been trying this for 20 years. He doesn't look at it that way. He looks at it from the, from the time he first walked into the gate as he's lost from that time until Saturday night. And I think that is the true mark of, of, a, of a competitive person and a successful person who he's not going to sit here and differentiate between this time and that time. Or, oh, that doesn't really count because I was just helping those people. That doesn't really count because, you know, I, I didn't really own that stuff. He adds it all up and he owns, he, he takes ownership of all of it. And anytime that you have a person like that, he's definitely, and let's be fair. When we, when we start and you've seen the pictures, you've seen the, the drawings or whatever, when you have our Mount Rushmore of, uh, of dirt late model racing, it's usually Scott Bloomquist and Billy Moyer and then a Rayburn, and and then that that fourth figure, a lot of people, you know, put Bob Memmer up there. A lot of people put Earl Baltus up there. A case could be made, maybe that Mark Richards deserves to be up there. You know, I think the first three are are pretty much locks. But then where does Mark Richards fall? Uh, it's it's really kind of uh, it's kind of up in the air. Uh, he's definitely, I think, one of the top five or six more important, most important people probably to our sport from, from the beginning, you know, to the end because of what he's, and if you look at Mark, he's made other people work harder. I mean, he's right. made Longhorn work hard. He's made GRT, all these people, you know, GRT made him work hard and vice versa. All these people have made each other work harder and improve the sport. And uh, I think that's very important. Uh, a very important thing that people maybe overlook at how, how, well, yeah, they've had a lot of success and people hate it. But one thing that's happened because of that success, Longhorn Chassis has really kind of happened because of that success of Rocket Chassis. He's made those guys go to work and, uh, and now you see what you have, you know, in the sport. Yeah. Great career by Mark Richards. Well said, Robert Holman. Uh, Kyle, remember when you almost jinxed the Rocket one? When he texted me two laps ago, is he going to do it? Then the yellow came out. Just saying, you about screwed him up. I also sent, I also sent Kovacs some messages too, saying Mark's going to do it with like eight thousand exclamation points. And then the caution came out, and then I'm like, oh geez, please nobody. Tell I would have, I would I would What is, what yeah, is wrong with Mark you, is. dude? I would have screamed. They would have hands went flying up when that happened too. I I saw it. His hands went up like this uh, on top of the exactly. trail and that caution. And people, what shaking. they need to know. Uh, Kyle Strickler lost fuel on that. That's according to him after the race. So it wasn't like he was like, you know, didn't pull over. He was just kind of just out in no man's land. If he would have lost though, Kyle, I would have screenshot them and send them to Mark Richards. And then he would have been probably suspended uh, a race from hanging out with those guys. Uh, so it have been your second suspension of the year, but we won't get too much details of that. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, hey, I mean, you know, I, I like to think I'm building a pretty good reputation now with Mark. I mean, he sees a young reporter, he gets a little leery, and, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you just have to, you, you just have to, uh, you know, ease into it, right, with one conversation at a time, and, and uh, I uh, um, just appreciate, you know, guys like Mark in our sport, right? So there's, there's, a, there's a respect there that I have there for him and and uh uh but in terms of nearly jinxing that yeah I don't uh if uh I would have known the the possible outcome of that or the negative outcome of that then maybe I wouldn't have jumped the gun and and got so excited right but um yeah no luckily that didn't happen so Thank God for Mark Richards' sake and your sake. Uh, love him or hate him. Yeah, love him or hate him. He's uh, one of the hardest working guys in the pit area. Uh, he's had a historic and legendary career in dirt late model racing. Finally, Mark Richards and the Rocket One. I guess Steve Baker as well. We can't forget about Steve. He's always the happy-go-lucky guy out of the group. Uh, getting the win there. Uh, so congrats to them. And, you know, maybe they can build on that. They have the Dirt Track World Championship next month. Uh, maybe they can win $300,000. They have a good shot as anyone out of those four favorites going into the final race there at Eldora in October. All right, we'll finish this up with one more thing. Robert Holman, you can lead off for us. Uh, happily, happily. I was just uh, looking, you know, kind of while we were chatting here about, uh, we talked about, obviously we know that that Bobby Pierce, when he won the World 100, I guess he was like 19 and uh, I still assume that's the youngest uh, guy to ever win it. But we talk about Hudson. It's, it seems like he's been in this sport for 10 years. It seems like, you know, he's been running a late model around here for 10 years. But, uh, of course, with him being uh, 24 years old, is that what you guys said? Or 23? He's 23 years old? Yeah. So he's 23. He is uh, – and I looked up to see how old Jeff Purvis was when he won his first World 100. He was 24 years old and about six months. And and Scott Bloomquist was 24 years old and about nine months or something like that when he won uh, his first one, World 100. So uh, Hudson is, is slipped in there and, and has got that World 100 uh, before age-wise, before those two greats. And, uh, and of course, we know that how – how young Bobby Pierce was. So we could be on the verge of kind of, uh, uh, of a, a swing that we're not going to know how they stack up necessarily. And for another 15 to 20 years down the road, but if these guys put in the time and the, and the hours and, and the years, uh, in the sport and our sport continues the way it is basically, and it doesn't fall off a, a cliff, like so many naysayers think it's going to, as long as that happens, we could be on the verge of seeing two two greats right here kind of developing right before our eyes. Yeah, they got they got and hopefully they got plenty of years left in them to continue the dirt late model dominance in Rel because they both definitely have bright futures winning that young crown jewels and uh what we've grown up to believe as being a veteran sport. They're kinda of, well, even though they are veterans, but older age sport, at least older than twenty five. Uh, Kovac, what do you got? Well, Mark Richards was thrilled. Hudson Neal was thrilled. Everybody with the Mark, with the Rocker Chassis House Car team was thrilled. 
to win. A lot of fans were thrilled. But, I mean, I think the most – the happiest guy in the pit area, I mean, I think – we mentioned this, right, didn't we, Derek? Maybe the, the, the most pumped-up guy in the pits was announcer James Essex. I think he cried. I think he cried up top. I mean, Hudson O'Neill said he'd come out of the media center, and there's James, like, I think he was singing back home again in Indiana or I don't know, or something. He was singing some sort of – because, you know, of course, first Indiana winner uh, of the World 100, uh, Hudson. I mean, and and James lives only two miles from where Hudson's house is now. Uh, um, And and so Hudson said that, man, he couldn't believe how it pumped up. I mean, there was pictures of James and Hudson – you know, standing there next to the World 100 trophy at the Rocket trailer. And, uh, man, I, I, James Essex was pumped to see one of his native sons from Indiana win the World 100. So uh, I thought I'd mention that. About, yeah, hey, guys, think, about, yeah, uh, about, 15, about 15 to go, I said, James Essex is such a homer. I told my wife that. I said, man, he loves, you know, he loves him some, some huddy, you know, and you know it. Everybody knows it. If you watch it enough, you'll know it. Yeah, he was very excited, Kevin. And I tell uh, you, somebody else who had, had to be probably pretty excited. If you notice, uh, Rusty Shields when he what what shirts uh, he wearing? You know, when he oh, sang yeah. the anthem, he's wearing his his O'Neill shirt. Uh, yeah, there's that picture. There's that picture of James. He is. He's like uh, James just won it. It looks like James just won the damn race, right? Won the World One Hundred. Yes. He, he said, so, uh, yep. so. yeah, he said right when I saw him afterwards, like in tears, like I've been waiting, we've been waiting 50 years for this, for an Indiana driver to finally win the world. He was tearing up. Uh, and B, you know, it's like his, Indiana is his alma mater. So any Hoosier that can uh, go up front, he's going to cheer for him, obviously with uh, Scott Van Pelt with Maryland basketball, because he's a graduate from there. Anytime they're on, you can uh, tell he's more biased. So those announcers can be biased to their universities or school. It just happens to be that uh, Huddy O'Neill from Indiana is where James Essex, you can definitely tell he's a favorite, though. That was funny. Yeah, keep in mind, I don't think that I don't think that James is biased. Let's not throw that term out there, because everybody knows that I'm a Dennis Herb fan, right? But I'm not biased, you know. I, I really don't think I am. I don't think James is biased necessarily, but you know he's a fan. We're all fans yeah. deep down. We're all we were all fans first. So it's okay for us to remain fans now just because this is our job. So so hand clap for James for getting it done. Hand clap for James. I'm I'm happy yeah. for him. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh Essex was pumped. Uh my one more thing is gonna give you Kovac uh some love. Everybody needs to go read your tire story. I thought that was uh, very interesting. It uh, a lot of choice words by some competitors. Uh, you got some explanation though from Hoosier as well. What's going on there? I had a couple of messages from drivers saying, "Hey, you know, they thought the track was going to be slicker, so they lowered down the pl- pressures." And you're hearing rumors about you know that you need to have higher pressure so it doesn't happen. We saw Bobby Pierce fall out, and he uh, called the tires junk. And his dad as well called Jeff. But go check out that story. It's on Dirt on Dirt. It's on Flow. It's very informative. That's another storyline that happened from the World 100. So I got to give you some love, Kovac. Uh, that was kind of just out of nowhere. He wrote that story with all this other stuff going on. He had to get those quotes from everybody else too. Yeah, it was good. Thankfully, Shannon Rush was still around. I mean, I, he could he could have easily just gotten out of there with every all the people that were uh, you know jump you know jumping around to find him and 
complained to him and stuff all day. He had the the kind of weekend that a, a tire, you know, rep does not want to have. But um, I mean, but it was a he gave good explanations about what his his side of it was. I mean, there's a, you always hear those thrown out words of oh the tires are junk, uh, and uh, you know this guy got a, a preferential treatment, but you know, but um, they were told told this guy, but they didn't tell this guy. But you know, I I, I think Shannon Rush from Hoosier definitely did explain very well uh you know the reasons for this happening and this happening and and, and what they want to do and what what could have caused it i mean he's not even sure but they were for sure going to be going back to uh you know the to indiana after that race and trying to figure out like what what needs to be done like and, and one thing he mentioned you know like what were we supposed to are they going to make a special one-off tire for eldora i don't think everybody wants that i mean that's going to be having the guys really having to buy a lot of different tires right uh you know just for one race so uh he, he um they'll they'll figure it out i mean things happen sometimes i think with tires and uh and, and hopefully uh hopefully knoxville this coming weekend everything will be all right that's another fast track that uh has potential to if you're not set up right you know i mean get the tire temperatures and stuff there fast track you could have some right front blowouts there too if it's everything's not right all right kyle finish it off well rick ecker uh, was crowned Port Royal Speedway track champion over the weekend. His first track championship since 1992 at Bedford. Before you were born. So, <laughs> way before I was even a thought, probably. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that that was also some, some uh, news to take away there from the weekend. Yeah, he topped Trevor Feathers uh, in that track championship race. And, you know, Trevor Feathers won... Uh, Port Royals season finale there on Friday did a story on him uh, last weekend um, about just how he's really clicking with with that Team Zero race car and uh, also too Team Zero race cars three of the top seven at the World 100 too. So when Robert's talking about you know who could be that third chassis brand that could really be consistently in the mix at these Crown Jewels with Rocket Chassis and Longhorn, you know maybe Team Zero is uh starting to inch their way up there into that conversation so so yeah and the man the myth the legend was at the big e walking around with some ladies wasn't he kovac he was he was feeling pretty good <laughs> yeah he has a he has a lady there with him you know lady friend so uh i never i never talked to him never really came i just saw him from afar a couple times, i did hear that there could be some rumblings he might try to race the dirt track world championship i don't know if that's true or not but you can find it out on flow racing i'm sure we'll have an article if that comes out as well so if we ever hear anything you guys will be the first to know our award winning listeners uh listening to the dirt reporters but this week we got knoxville nationals this week we got other races live on flow racing uh this week we're gonna have plenty of stories on dirt on dirt.com it's gonna be a lot of exciting uh good written ex- articles by these three we're gonna have live and exciting great viewing stuff for our audiences with the live broadcast so keep your browsers locked in to dirtondirt.com and Flow Racing. Until next time, this is The Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching.